Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints, Jesus said they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. And indeed, that hour is here. Just seven weeks ago, while we were all gathered here in church to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord on Easter Sunday, our Christian brothers and sisters around the world were doing the same exact thing. However, while we were able to go back home with our families that Easter morning, there were many in Sri Lanka who didn't. And why? Because three of those Christian churches in Sri Lanka were bombed by terrorists during the service. And while these dear Christian mothers were dressing their children for church, while these faithful Christian fathers were getting their families prepared for Easter, there were terrorists dressing themselves for bloodshed and arming themselves in explosives to take their lives that very hour. While these precious Christian children in church sang Alleluia to their God and Lord, these terrorists burst into their church to slaughter all of them. And that was less than two months ago. Last year, Christians in Indonesia were massacred in church by a suicide bomber. The year before that, in 2017, a group of 28 Christians were murdered when a group of terrorists opened fire on their bus on the road. The year before that, in 2016, 70 Christians were killed and 300 were injured in a bombing on Easter Sunday in Pakistan. The year before that, in 2015, Christians in Ethiopia were beheaded for being Christians. So on and so forth, year after year. So why did these things happen? What caused it? Well, it wasn't that these Christians really did anything. They didn't cause a riot. They didn't start an uproar. They didn't start firing or throwing bombs first. So what caused all the bloodshed? It wasn't these Christians. It was Christ. It was because of him. It wasn't their words. It was the word of God. It's not that they did anything wrong. They simply did the same thing that we're doing here today. And let that sink in and think about it. For the very same things that you hear every single morning here, safely and comfortably, for the very same words that you just confessed out loud in the creed, for the same words that you just sang out in the liturgy, Christian men, women, and children were beheaded and tortured and murdered all around the world for the same exact thing. They were simply confessing the word of God with their lips. And what were these murderers trying to say? What was their point in blowing up these churches and murdering these Christians? Well, they wanted these Christians to see that they and the word they confess are not welcome in their region. They wanted these Christians to see that they're not welcome in their presence, not welcome in their lives, not welcome in this world. Just as the world didn't welcome Christ at his birth and his life and drove nails and a spear through him, so too they will not welcome 
his children when they see Christ in them. And dear saints, this is the message that the world is sending to you as well. In fact, it has been sending for thousands of years. Of course, the world thinks you're foolish and naive and wasting your time when you believe in God, especially when you believe in a God who sends his only begotten son to bear the sins of the world, to pour out his undying forgiveness from his veins. Of course, that's foolishness to the world. And of course, the world scoffs at you and mocks you for actually coming to church and for actually reading the Bible and believing what it says and baptizing your infants in the font and kneeling before the altar to receive the Lord's Supper. Yes, they scoff and mock that, but that's not really the issue. The world doesn't care if you delude yourself into thinking and believing these sort of things. What they do care about is if you ever say so. What you can never do is talk about it, or speak of it, or mention it. You can't cross yourself. You can't pray in front of others. You can't quote a Bible verse. You can't wear a crucifix around your neck. It's these sort of things that incite anger and rage. And this is what marks you as one who is then bigoted, or sexist, or hateful. See, the world will love you, and respect you, and honor you, and speak well of you, so long as you don't mention Christ, so long as you don't mention, or quote, or believe his word. But when you do confess that he is your God and Lord, that he is the only way to the Father, that when you do confess that his word is true, infallible, and inerrant, don't be surprised when they tell you that you're not welcome here anymore. When you confess the word of God and deny that a man can become a woman, when you deny that marriage can exist between two men or two women, when you decry the corruption of divorce and fatherlessness, when you defend the life of the unborn, you're despised by those who despise God first. So you find that whenever and wherever you bear the name of Christ, you're not really that welcome. You have this constant reminder all around you. You turn on your TV, you listen to the radio, you go on the internet, the world makes it clear that you should be despised and rejected because you have the audacity to believe that the Bible is indeed what God thinks of us, says to us, and has done for us, and what he requires us to do. The more you look around, the more you'll find that the world wants to force you into your own Christian ghetto, forcing you to hide, forcing you to be quiet by shaming and ridiculing you, embarrassing you with whatever chance they get. And for them, all of this is the just punishment for your sin against them. Your punishment for calling out sin, for loving God more than the world. This is your punishment for calling good, good, and evil, evil. This is your punishment for calling sin, sin, and for calling the world sinful and including yourself in that. And this is when you'll be tempted to stop. This is when you're going to be tempted by your own sinful flesh, by your craving for popularity, by your desire for acceptance, by your longing for success and being part of this world. You're going to be tempted. You'll be tempted to give up Christ and his word to gain a little bit of this world. 
And if you don't face this temptation now, you will. This constant pressure from the world to conform to it, the incessant nagging of the ungodly will wear you down. Their mocking, their scoffing, their crude joking is going to exhaust you. And when you're sick of it, when you're tired of bearing this cross, when you're too weak to carry this burden, then what do you do? When you face the pressure to change God's word in exchange for the love of the world, what do you do? When you cave under this pressure and give a false confession of the faith, when you try to explain away God's word to those who mock it, when you fail to say that you're a Christian because you're too embarrassed or ashamed to do so, what do you do? And what do you do for all those times that you already have failed? For all the times you were too timid to speak the truth. For all the times you shied away. For all the times you kept your mouth shut when you should have said something. For all the times you said something when you should have stayed quiet. Well, you turn to Christ. When your heart is filled with fear for those who want to shed your blood... You look to the cross and see the blood that Christ shed for you. And there you gaze into the wounds of the one who was not welcomed by this world. You look to the one whom you have not welcomed in your own life through sin and unbelief, through failure to pray and failure to read his word. And yet you see that he has welcomed you into his kingdom through his very death and resurrection. And you look to Christ by hearing his word and hearing that he forgives every single one of your sins, even the sins of you denying him out of fear and shame, just like he forgave the sins of St. Peter who did the same. When you're not welcome in this world, remember that Christ welcomed you into his kingdom while you were still an infant in baptism, while you were helpless, before you could do anything for him or anything else or anyone else. He did everything for you. When you were not welcome, and when you're not welcome at the feasts and banquets of the ungodly and the impenitent, remember that Christ has welcomed you to his holy table and altar here today to feast on his body and blood for your forgiveness. Christ invites you to confess all of your sin here today so that he could cover it with his most holy and precious blood. When all the times you were afraid to confess Christ haunt you, and they come rushing back to your head, remember that Christ, through his death and resurrection, has already forgotten them all. And when you receive all the things that Christ has done for you, then be bold and confess what he's done. Let his word and his promises be on your mind and on your lips. Don't be bashful or afraid of his word. Don't be bashful or afraid of what the world can do to you because Christ is with you. Endure whatever persecution and trial comes your way. Make a good confession of the faith, a bold and a clear confession. Remember your brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who have made the good confession of faith, who remain faithful unto Christ even unto death. Remember those who willingly suffer death rather than falling away. Remember that they were able to endure this, not because they were somehow different than you are, but because they had the same Holy Spirit working in them as you do now. Remember that no matter how much the world wants to rip you away from Christ and his word, you'll find that the only thing that their weapons can do is drive you closer into the arms of your dear Father in heaven.
the faithful Christian who closes his eyes in death here will open those same eyes to see the face of their dear Lord forever. So when the world wants to spill your blood, when the world wants to despise you and tear you down, threaten you, or scare you away, remember that Christ said it would happen. Remember that it's not your fault. It's not that you did something wrong. It's not that you're somehow not being a loving Christian or that if you were simply a better Christian, the world would love you more. Don't think that if you were just a better Christian, the world wouldn't think these things about you. In fact, if you simply stop being a Christian, that's the only way you're going to win the love of this world. So it's not your fault. This is simply an example of what the world does, of what unbelievers do, what the world does to the church, what the church suffers. And yet when people hate you, don't hate them in return. When they despise you, don't despise them back. Instead, when they curse you, bless them. Remember that the blood of Christ covers them too. And remember that Jesus wants to claim them as his own and fill them with his righteousness just as he did for you. Remember that the same Holy Spirit who created faith in your heart can do the same for them. It's the Holy Spirit who can convert committed enemies of the gospel to children of God, as he has done many times before. So pray for this. Pray for your enemies. Pray that no matter how much they have thirsted for your blood, that God would lead them to thirst for his. Pray that one day God will lead you both to kneel at the same altar and to drink the same blood of Christ in repentance and faith. In closing, hear the words of the epistle reading. This is the continuation of it. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.